This is episode number 46 with the normal Corn Belters manager, Billy Horn. In this episode, Billy goes over what exactly is independent baseball, how he got started in it, the best ways to get signed, and he also goes gives you guys a little bit of tips on what he would do to get signed. Um, please make sure to go over to subscribe, rate, and leave a review in iTunes, and I hope you guys enjoy today's episode. Welcome to Patrick Jones Baseball. My name is Patrick Jones, former professional baseball player and host of this podcast. My day job is a podcaster and my night job is a baseball instructor. Please email me at jonesbaseballtraining at gmail.com if you're interested in getting hitting lessons from me. I hope you guys enjoy today's episode and let's get to work. We are now live with Billy Horn, manager for the Normal Corn Belters. Billy, thanks for coming on today. Hey, my pleasure, Patrick. Thank you so much for having here. Looking forward to uh, been looking forward to this for uh, for quite some time. Appreciate it, man. Um, so actually, uh, for those who don't know, I played for Billy uh, a couple years ago. Just kind of you know, like a I guess kind of like a men's league. Um, and at that point, you had just finished your your first independent season with Ottawa Champions. Um, but before that, can you kind of Give everyone a little bit of background. I, I feel like you got a pretty interesting background of how you got to where you're at today. Can you just kind of talk about how you um, grew up playing baseball and your um, kind of journey? Yeah, sure. Um, I'm, I'm nobody special, <laughs> first off. So, um, you know, I grew up in the Bronx, New York, and, uh, you know, went to high school there, and, and, and it was just too cold for me, and I, I just wanted a climate change. So I decided to go and, and walk on at Lynn University. Um, down here in Boca Raton, Florida, back in 1997. And uh, I actually walked on as a third baseman. And then when I realized everyone here was throwing, you know, 90 plus, <laughs> I had two options. I said, one, I got a, I got a pretty, pretty good arm. So I'm going to either give this thing pitching a try or I'm just going to retire. So, um, you know, so I decided to give pitching a, a, a shot and I pitched my sophomore, junior, senior year. Uh, nothing special, low to mid eighties, absolute nothing. And, um, I wound up getting a, a, a business sales job, an outside sales job when I was 22. And I started playing in a men's league down here in Florida. And, uh, I started throwing harder. I started going to the gym and learning how to throw. And, you know, I started getting a little bit more, um, velocity and a little bit more passion for the game. And I, I wound up somehow, some way, scoring a contract to go out to Italy and play professional baseball back in, uh, back in 2003. And, uh, and that was awesome. That was really fun. I met a lot of really good guys and, um, wound up playing in 2003, uh, 2004, um, played out there again, was a starter, had a really good season. Um, I, uh, got hurt that year, cost my shot at making the Olympic team. And then, um, you know, I came home and then fortunate enough, I got an opportunity in the golden baseball league the following year. Now the golden league, if not a lot of people remember it, it was supposed to rival the Atlantic league. Do you remember hearing about the golden league back in the day? Yeah. Isn't that, is that where uh, Daniel Nava came from? Yeah. Yeah. He was, he was out there. Yep. Yeah. I remember that league. Yeah. So it was a really good league. I mean, you had uh Ricky Henderson played out there and Mark Pryor and uh, the late, great Hideki Arabu, uh, of course, the Consecos played out there. So this was a really good league on the West Coast. And, uh, you know, we'll talk about a little bit later how important, you know, where you live is in, in independent baseball. So 
Um, I want to get in a shot out on the West Coast because I played with a couple of guys in Italy who had gotten opportunities out there. And they said to the coaches um, and Daryl Evans, the manager, they said, hey, take a look at this kid. He, you know, he threw pretty good in Italy. And, and uh, I want to throw in a bullpen for uh, one of the assistant coaches, uh, Dan DePay Sr., who I'm still very close with to this very day. He's out in the Pacific Association. He lives out in Cali. And uh, wound up playing out there. I got hurt. Rotator cuff surgery, and then uh, and that was pretty much it, you know. So, um, you know, fast forward a couple of years, I'm coaching high school, and, you know, you kind of get the itch, you kind of get the bug again, you know. And um, 2009, I wound up coaching at Lynn University, my alma mater, and, uh, you know, I stepped into some good stuff there that year. We had a great year. We, we won the Division II National Championship, and, you know, our, our second best pitcher on the team, and I'm going to repeat that, our second best pitcher on the club was Tommy Canley, who's now, um, you know, one of the top, uh, you know, back end relief relievers for the New York Yankees. Wow. You know? Yeah. We had a kid on our team. This is funny. We had a kid on the team. His name was Danny Wright. He was from West Palm beach, Florida. And Danny Wright, he threw 81 to 84, nothing but fastballs. And he went, I think he went 17 and two with a 2.2 ERA. He might've walked only 25 guys in 120 something innings, uh, division two pitcher of the year, um, NCAA, um, uh, division two world series MVP of the whole nine. And he never got a chance, you know, because he was only thrown about 80, 85, you know, whatever it was. Um, and then obviously Canley coming out of the bullpen throwing, you know, upper nineties, you know, he's in the big leagues. <laughs> so, <laughs> it's funny um, how it's funny how that works. Now, weren't you when you were over in Italy? I remember when I played for you, you were trying to speak a little Italian. Is that right? Yeah, you know, you know, growing up in the Bronx, growing up in an Italian household, I wound up uh, speaking the language pretty well over there. Not one hundred percent fluent, but uh, over the years, I kind of lost my my Italian, and I trans transferred that over to uh, Spanish. So. You know, over the last couple of years, wherever I've been, I've been able to, um, you know, really work with and and, and get along with and and help out Latin players, um, you know, pretty well, which is, you know, again, that's very big for, you know, the big league organizations. They want you bilingual. And, you know, again, I'm not bilingual by any any stretch of the imagination, but uh, I do my pitching visits in uh, in Spanish. You know, when I work with pitchers, uh, you know, I talk to them in Spanish and and. they seem to to get it. Sometimes they laugh at me, but for the, for the most part, they, they understand where I'm coming from. Um, let's let's break down for the listeners who who maybe don't understand here. What if you were to you know just kind of break down what is independent baseball? Because when I when I say that to people, and I was like, you know, I used to play independent professional baseball. I feel like they say, well, that's like that's like a glorified men's league. No, no, it, it, absolutely not. You know, the best way I can explain independent baseball in one sentence would be one or two sentences. It's, it's a, a first chance or a second chance or a last chance, you know, for, for guys looking to make it to the major leagues, you know, um, the way independent baseball was about 15 years ago, there was only four leagues, you know, the Atlantic league, um, American association, the Can-Am, which I believe was the Northern league back then. And of course the frontier league, you know, those are, those are still considered the quote unquote top four leagues throughout independent baseball. Now um, it's kind of crazy because, you know, now there's a bunch of new leagues that are popping up almost every year. 
um, some of which have been successful and some of which haven't. But, um, you know, I like to call these leagues developmental leagues. You know, some people you hear them say, oh, the lower level leagues or whatever. Now, for the people who want to look at, you know, for instance, there's the United Shores League, there's the Pecos League, um, there's the Pacific Association, you have the Empire League, which is in New York. Um, there was a couple other leagues that had folded, but if anybody wants to say that the Pecos League, you know, for instance, you know, is, is a terrible league and a waste of your time, you know, I suggest they talk to me. I, I, as a matter of fact, my first professional coaching job was in the Pecos League and, you know, kind of a personal goal of mine is to be the first guy to ever coach in the Pecos League and then coach in the major leagues. Um, you know, I was out there in 2012 and it was tough. It was tough. Um, you know, the players, you know, they don't make a lot of money. Um, it, it sure builds a lot of character. I can tell you that much, you know, and, you know, being out there for a full, uh, for a full season, it was a lot of fun. It was tough, but it really shows you, you know, you know, you can find a diamond in a rough and, you know, another great example would be in 2016 when I was in Ottawa, we signed our catcher, Danny Grower, who is still in the Can-Am League, uh, still in Ottawa. We signed Stephen Borkowski, who set a Can-Am League record for most amount of strikeouts in a, in a playoff um, in 2016. And then we got a kid by the name of Miles Moeller, a left-hander that I got out of the Empire League. Those three guys helped us win a championship in the Can-Am League. So, you know, without those three guys, would we have won? Would we have not? Probably, I don't know. You can't answer that. But, you know, the fact is those three young men decided to not sit on their couch and, you know, you know put their ego and pride to the side. And, um, you know, when, when the phone rings, they weren't sitting on the couch. They were playing, ready to go. And those three guys are still, uh, still in independent baseball, still trying to make it to the big league. So, you know, for those people that say – you know, these lower leagues or whatever you want to call them are no good. Um, you know, you know, I'm living proof. And I know a lot of guys that are living proof where, you know, independent baseball can, you know, really help you out and, and change things. I mean, in, in Long Island last year, we had three of our guys not only get, uh, get picked up by big league organizations, but all three made it back to the major leagues last year in the same year. And then in the same year. Yep. And, uh, as a matter of fact, uh, 2016, 15 and 16, we had Wilmer Font in Ottawa, and he got picked up by the Blue Jays, then traded over to the Dodgers. And uh, last year, he was the uh, AAA Pitcher of the Year, Pacific Coast League Pitcher of the Year, started the All-Star Game. And uh, last year, if you were watching the World Series, he, was, uh, he didn't get any innings, but he, he, was, he was in the bullpen, and he was on the, the Los Angeles Dodgers roster last year. Yeah, I mean, I love bringing, you know, you talking about the Pecos League, because I, I played in the Pecos League last year with High Desert Yardbirds, because yep. they have a California division now, too, and I, I couldn't agree more. I mean, first and foremost, you have to play, you know, every day to get better, and so if you're not, and I and I get it, like, you know, I wanted to play in the Frontier League really, really bad. I remember, you know, even talking to you about it when we were, when you were coaching me, and, um, you know, I wasn't ready then, so I'm glad it didn't work out, but you I, developmental leagues are huge and the thing is if you go and, and play in the Pecos League we had several guys get offers to go play in higher leagues in the Pecos League um, in the Empire League if you go and you dominate you will get found eventually it may not happen you know when you want it to but I just I mean correct me if I'm wrong but eventually you will get found and promoted if you just go out and dominate 
Yeah, you're absolutely right. You know, and as a matter of fact, I spoke with a young player last night who had gotten released by an organization and the kid lives out in California, you know, and I told him, I said, I, I inherited my club, you know, in, in normal, we already had, um, I think five outfielders and I, I just signed another, another outfielder. I said, listen, you know, it's going to be very, very difficult for you to not only make my club, but for you to crack my lineup is going to be real tough. So what I decided to do was utilize my contacts and I put him in touch actually with Dan DePay senior who does player procurement for one of the clubs out there, but can also help this kid maybe get on another club. Um, just for the fact that he lives in California, um, you know, and, and I'm really glad that that league's out there because, you know, we're not going to take a kid who lives in California who needs to go to a developmental league and send him to the empire league, which is all the way in upstate New York. Now those leagues, you have to pay for your own travel and, you know, things of that nature. So, you know, why not get the kid a job in his backyard, you know, not kill him in his wallet because, you know, in those developmental leagues, you know, you, you gotta, you gotta, you know, in the off season, I suggest, you know, working at, at camps and clinics and doing lessons because you can make some good money to keep you afloat while you're, you're still chasing your dream. You know, if that, if that makes any sense to you. Oh yeah. I mean, last year I, I was full time at, at Home Depot, um, before I went to the Pecos League, and I was a beer vendor for the Arizona Cardinals. I was living out in Arizona, and you know that's a pretty fun job. <laughs> it, 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 it's a pretty fun job. I, I got some great stories. I probably can't share them; they're not appropriate. But it's you know, I mean, there were there were there were days after Cardinals games where I would I was walking home with four hundred dollars cash. Woo. I know, and I wow. mean, at the time that's... I thought I was you know I could retire because I, I was broke, so I thought I was you know rich, but. You know that that type of stuff, it's awesome. I think that's that's kind of you know in a sense that's what it's all about. Um, but you go and you work hard in the off season, and so you know I was in the Pecos League, so I had saved up some money. So I really didn't. Yeah, I lost money, but I wasn't out there for money to begin with, and um, I got through the entire season without really having to worry about anything financial because you know you work hard in the off season. Right, right, and, and you know what I tell guys? I tell guys, listen. You know, if you have an opportunity to go play in one of these leagues, go ahead and do it. You know, the odds of anybody making it to the major leagues are, I mean, extremely slim. But, you know, what happens is in our little fraternity of professional baseball, you know, when you go out for a job in the real world, whether it's, you know, still in baseball as a coach or whatever, but if you go in the real world and you go to, you know, a sales job or a marketing job, when they see professional baseball player on your resume, they already know, okay, well, this guy has to have some kind of organizational skills. You know, you got to be at the ballpark at a certain time. You got to do certain things. And, you know, he also has to be, we would like to assume he's a pretty good dude for the most part, you know, because that's one of the biggest things that'll separate players in independent baseball. Um, you know, I get calls every single day. I get emails every single day on a guy looking for a job and, you know, the first thing that I do is I go and I look at his numbers. All right, if he's got good numbers, let's go to the next step. And, you know, for me on a personal level, the next step is I talk to his former coaches. I talk to scouts that maybe have scouted him. I talk to former teammates that I may know. Because here's the deal. When you sign a guy, you know, you're married to that kid for as long as he's with your club. You know, whether he gets picked up by an organization, whether, you know, he gets hurt and, and has to be released. Um, you know, there's a lot of factors that happen throughout the season, but, you know, for the most part, you know, you're going to be married to this kid for a period of time. And do I want to live with this kid? Do I want to hang around this kid? Do I want this kid in my clubhouse every single day? And, you know, most of the time the answer is yes. You know, there are a lot of good guys out there, but 
there's a lot of times where, you know, you, you go on social media. That's what I do. I go to his Facebook page. I go to Twitter. I go to uh, Instagram. I want to see who's this kid linked to. You know, who's this kid training with every day? Where's this kid going? And, you know, if you hang around with the bad crowd, it's really going to, you know, could put a bad label on your name. So, you know, if a certain guy is, you know, always hanging out with a certain crew or whatever the case may be, odds are he's not going to get a job, if that, if that makes sense to you. Yeah, essentially what you're saying is you want your team chemistry in your clubhouse to be where at any point, any given time, you know, nobody's walking in feeling like they're, you know, going to be made fun of or, or, you know, judged or something like that, for, for example, because it's a long season. Yeah, for, you know, for the most part. You know, I want guys that are going to want to come in and I want guys that don't want to be independent baseball lifers. And again, I love independent baseball. Without independent baseball, I don't know what I would be doing. I'd be doing something else because I never played in the big leagues. I don't have the big league resume. So, um, you know, I love independent baseball, but, you know, just like a player, you know, my goal is to make it to the big leagues. I never, I never made it as a player. You know, I, I found out very quickly, you know, I wasn't good enough, gave it up. And, um, you know, I got into coaching. So, you know, I want these guys with the right attitude where they want to come in and uh, do their thing and get, and get promoted. But at the same time, hey, let's have some fun because this is a game. We're here to have fun. Um, it sure beats putting on a shirt and tie and taking on a real job, you know? 100%. So, uh, go, go, yeah. How many times a day do players email or call you, like, wanting to get a job? Um, I will say one time a day. But I mean, and yeah, when I say that one time, meaning it's one time from the time I open my eyes in the morning to the time I close my eyes, meaning it doesn't <laughs> stop. I literally, I literally get, let's see, I would say now that I've got, you know, now that I'm in normal, I probably have maybe 10 to 15 emails every day, probably four or five phone calls from an agent, um, a coach or the player themselves. Um, and then, you know, with me to prospect, we'll get into that. I mean, I probably get five to 10. So you're looking at probably 30 to 35, maybe more, um, every single day of guys that are constantly, you know, reaching out to me and, and they're also reaching out to other managers. And that's what I encourage. You know, we want to see guys that uh, have a little bit of drive, you know, and, and, you know, for you guys listening out there that are looking for a job, you know, what you want to do is you want to email, email these coaches, you know, if you know them on a personal level, give them a phone call. You know, we're not going to fault you for, for trying. You know, we like that. We like when guys, you know, you know, do, you know, do the work, do the due diligence, you know. And, and, do, and um, don't be yeah. don't be discouraged if you don't hear anything back because it's like, you know, like you're saying, you get so many calls and emails a day. I'm sure you read them all. You may not, you know, have time to respond, but I'm sure you read them all or look at the video of everyone. And I'm sure that everyone yep. else does that, too. It's just it's a time factor and you have to be patient. You have to work hard. You got to, you know, like you said, you got to hustle a little bit and you have to be patient. And most importantly, you have to be good. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the thing too. And I know, you know, I know pretty much every manager, you know, and coach throughout all independent baseball and, you know, we are bombarded and swamped, but you know what, most of us were in that situation too. And, and, and we feel for the kid and we understand. So, you know, it doesn't take much to, you know, just respond to somebody and just say, Hey, you know, listen, I'm full right now, stay in touch or, you know, try this club. I hear they're looking or, but yeah, sometimes, you know, you just get so over flooded with phone calls and emails and texts. And, you know, at the same time, you have to remember that, you know, we're husbands, you know, we're, you know, we've got wives and girlfriends and, 
you know, we've got families and, and, a, and a regular, not so much private life anymore, but <laughs> we have a personal life that, you know, we need to attend to. And, but, uh, but I understand where these guys are coming from and I, and I love it. Every time a kid sends me an email, I'll critique it and, you know, I'll tell, pick up the phone and call me, text me, email me, send me video. Let's, let's see, you know, what your progression is. And, you know, like I said, my end game is, is probably a lot different than, than most managers, you know, in, in the game. Um, you know, especially with the meet a prospect where, you know, we're, we're pushing guys, we're, we're getting guys jobs and helping guys out. So, um, let's, uh, you know, yeah, let's, it, I want to dive into that. Let's dive into meet a prospect. Um, when did you start that? What was the motivation behind that? What is it exactly? Well, what meet a prospect is it's a social media network that I created about two years ago. Um, I, and it actually stemmed from things that I've, that I've seen at the high school and collegiate level, you know, I, I got so sick and tired of hearing parents complain, you know, that they're spending 2000 3000 $5,000, you know, on recruiting when all it is is your son or daughter, whatever sport they're in, all they need to do is put together a nice video, put it on YouTube and start emailing people. Um, so my motivation aside from that was just, I feel so bad for a lot of these kids that are just trying. So let's use social media, you know? So, um, I came up with a website now, um, I'm really phasing out the website and, and just everything is done, you know, in the face, in the Facebook, uh, group, meet a prospect. And, uh, it's pretty cool, man. The way, the way we set it up, you can go on there and you can post a video bio and we've got almost 4,000 members in our group right now. And a lot of them are independent coaches, uh, managers. There's some scouts in there. And, uh, just a couple of weeks ago, we got two, uh, two former big league guys, their agents put their stuff on there. So the word is starting to spread and it's starting to grow. And, um, the best thing about it is, you know, it's free. There's no fee. You know, if, if a kid signs a contract, he's not paying us, you know, a percentage of his contract, you know, we're not an agency. I'm not an agent. Um, you know, just, it's, uh, you know, we're just looking to help kids out. There's no end game, you know, with this website, you know, if anything, it, it helps strengthen my network, you know, of players and agents and coaches and scouts. Um, so, you know, and, and in the last, in the last two years, we've gotten over 70 guys contracts, wow. um, throughout, throughout independent baseball overseas and Mexico and, and, uh, you know, we're real proud of that. We're real proud to help guys out and we're not, you know, looking to go out there and, you know, hurt players in any way. We're just giving these guys an alternative avenue for them to just, Hey, look, I'm here. Hey, I'm alive. I exist. You know, if that makes, if that makes sense to you. No, for sure. I mean, I, I love that you're doing that and I didn't know it was over 70 guys. That's, that's pretty impressive. I mean, that's, that's really something. And then you also do the South Florida winter league too, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's correct. I, uh, as a matter of fact, I just got back from Arizona working another camp, um, you know, scouting out talent, you know, on the other, on the other coast. And, uh, but I've been, I've been with the South Florida winter league for, for a couple of years now. And, uh, we have a lot of fun. Let me tell you about that. We have a lot of fun. Um, we do it in November and, uh, especially in March, we have a lot of fun because, you know, this is the month where we, uh, we play, uh, major league organizations in, uh, in games, so, for instance, we've got, I think, 10 games scheduled right now. Um, we don't play the big league clubs. What we do play is, you know, we'll play the rookie affiliate. We'll play the low A, maybe high A. 
extended, you know, maybe a mix. And, um, you know, we go out there and, you know, we, we, we pick the best guys from the camp. And then, uh, you know, we also have a couple other guys, you know, come on in, uh, from time to time, some former big league guys. And, you know, they, they come on the club, get an inning here and there, and everybody gets to showcase their talents. Um, and it's a lot of fun, man. This year we're at this brand new facility in Melbourne, Florida, um, right on the East coast and, uh, a little bit North of Jupiter. Um, and, uh, you know, we're staying in these really nice uh, hotel suites with full kitchens and, you know, at the facility, there are uh, batting cages and we've got, uh, uh, you know, a gym that we can work out. The kids are getting meals and, um, you know, it's fun. You know, I'll be out there. Then you got, uh, you know, a bunch of other, you know, well-known, well-respected, you know, managers and in independent baseball. So it's, uh, it's a fun time, a fun month, and uh, I look forward to it every year. And that's a good way to start building that relationship that you're kind of talking about with managers, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, what I love about these, about these winter leagues that I've been to is I think they're better than tryouts because, of, you know, a one- or two-day tryout, hey, that's good. You know, you get to see players. But, you know, with these winter leagues, you know, where you can go, you are able to go out there and you're working with a kid for 30 days. So you get to know who they are. You get to know their personality. And then you can just say, man, I really like this kid. But, you know, he's, you know, he's kind of a goofball. He won't fit in with my club. Or, you know, at first I didn't like this kid. But, man, he, he's a great kid. And, you know, I, I really see something in him. And, you know, I've done that before. I've, uh, you know, I've signed guys where, you know, at first I wasn't too keen on them. And then, well, this guy got hurt. And then this guy that. And then, you know. So, but the other thing too is the, the last thing that I wanted to say is wherever you go, whatever winter league you're in, you know, not everyone's going to get a contract. And if you don't get a contract right off the bat, that's okay. You know, because especially right now, most teams, most teams are full, you know, and the organizational releases come out, you know, so a lot, of, a lot of times those guys will take precedence, but what then happens is now we refer back to the developmental leagues. These guys won't get jobs, but if they go to a developmental league or if they stay you know, sharp any way they can, you know, what I do, I create a short list. So every camp I go to, I'll pick out, you know, six, seven, eight guys from all different positions. You know, for instance, right now I have, you know, my shortstop that's coming back to normal. He's 40 hits away from the, the, the league record, the front, the frontier league record. I don't really need a shortstop, but Hey, if a big league club comes calling, you know, God forbid, knock on wood, something happens. I've got a list of about five, six, seven, eight shortstops that I'll just give a call and I'll say, Hey, a spot opened up. Are you ready? You know, and the kid can say, well, I've been sitting on the couch for two months, you know, goodbye. Or I can look and, Oh, well, this kid, you know, he sucked it up. He went to the, the Pencoast league. Boom. Hey, I got a job for you. And, um, you know, Andrew Doug's been really great and really generous over there in the Pencoast league. Anytime a guy has a chance to get promoted, he won't hold them back and he'll, he'll send them up and, you know, it makes his league look good, makes, you know, whatever league I'm managing or coaching in look good, and it's a win-win situation. No, and for those listening, um, 100%, you know, Billy's not one of those guys who, who says, you know, he'll, he won't, he's going to take guys from the lower leagues and doesn't. When I played in the Empire League, you took multiple guys from our team, um, and that was yeah. the very first year in the Empire League, too. Nobody knew what it was, straight to the Can-Am League. Yeah, I remember we had... Uh, we took, who was there? There was Nick Lops, a catcher that we need. Hey, we, our catcher got hurt. We needed a guy. Steve Boom, made a phone call. Yeah. Uh, Steve Solkowski. Yep. Yep. Another, another, another good player that we, 
we had with us in Ottawa, he was with us for, for most of the season also. Yeah, so, he was a good yeah. player. And then back to the South Florida Winter League, I know I know, he just got traded, but uh, he was with you for a very short time with normal. But Nolan Meadows, who hit like 30 home runs in the Frontier League two years ago, <laughs> I know Brooks Carey yep. found him in the South Florida Winter League. Yeah, that's correct. As a matter of fact, um, you know, Brooks and Hal were going back and forth, and I, I don't know if they – uh, flip the coin or whatever it was, but Nolan wound up going over to uh, over to normal, and uh, yeah, he had I think I think it was 27 home runs his first year, and then um, you know last year uh, he had I think 15, and he had another good year, and um, yeah, you know I spoke with Nolan, and um, you know just based on his situation, um, you know from talking with him, we thought it was best for him to you know take his talents to another league, you know because again he he didn't want to he doesn't want to be an independent baseball for the rest of his life. He wants to try and make it to the big league. So, um, you know, we felt that maybe a new league and, you know, a, a new line of scouts getting eyes on him, maybe a better opportunity for him. And, you know, I really hope so. And, and I know Nolan personally, I love him to death. Um, you know, and that's just an example of, you know, if this is what the kid wants, you know, and he's a good kid, you know, I, I have no problem doing that, but not, not every manager is like that guys. So just so you know, <laughs> um, you know, again, my, my, my end game is very, very different. Listen, I want to go in and win, you know, I'd love to stay in normal for as long as possible. And, um, you know, I'm very thankful for this opportunity, you know, um, you know, I'm trying to put a winning ball club on the field, but, um, you know, if a guy doesn't want to nece- necessarily be there or, or play for that club or in that city any longer, I, I understand it's nothing personal, you know, so I have no problem, you know, moving Nolan and, um, you know, he's going to be with Brooks you know, a manager he's familiar with and everything. So I hope he has tremendous success over there in, in, in the Can-Am League. I hope he gets picked up and, and, and gets a chance to, to move up throughout an organization. Right. That's, that's, that's what this is all about. That is, is 100% is right. What, how do the transactions work? I'm, I've always been kind of curious about this. I know you just took over Normal not that long ago. You know, you're talking about waiting for, for guys and MLB organizations to get released. Um, how do the transactions work for like just for your team, for example? Well, for my team, um, so when I took over the club, I took over the club. I think there were 16 players on the uh, on the club, and then you know I kind of went through the roster and just decided, you know, okay, we want to bring this guy back, we want to bring that guy back, and then it's basically based on our needs. And so what I do is, you know, again, I, I'm I'm a little bit different than most. Um, you know, most of the guys that I'm going after you know, our top 10, top 15, former, um, former picks, um, to, uh, former round picks throughout the, the MLB draft. And I'm really looking to put together, you know, a team of, you know, for my experienced guys and even my rookies, you know, a lot of, a lot of high level talent where we're going to get a lot of scouts out there and, and to move these guys to organizations, you know? Um, and again, I think if you have good players and you have good people, you're going to win anyway. So, you know, why not go after the best? So, I have no problem calling a guy who's been in double A AA or triple A and saying, Hey, come on down to the frontier league. You know, um, you know, it's, it's not likely that we get most guys, but um, I was fortunate enough. I, I wound up landing a first rounder a lefty made it up to triple A last year uh, for a minute. You know, he's going to come in a normal and just like everybody else, he's going to compete for a spot on the team. And, you know, you know, guys like that who've been around a little bit are going to be able to help the rookies and, you know, just, kind of show them the ropes a little bit, you know? So, um, you know, for me, the way I do it, I call other managers in every other league, 
you know, we're also on email chain lists from organizations, you know, throughout um, major league and minor league baseball of guys who get released. And, you know, when you see a guy that gets released, it's kind of, you know, first come first serve for the most part, you know, cause these guys are waiting on, uh, they're waiting on phone calls, you know? Um, you know, the other thing that I've done over the last couple of years is, um, I was able to, you know, get in touch with many, many agents. And, you know, for the last couple of years, I've, I think I've got about 300 agents or so, you know, in my phone and, you know, just calling these guys, talking to these guys. And then, you know, from being at the South Florida winter league, going to these organizational games. And then I talked to everyone in the front office and I talked to, you know, all the coaches and I exchanged phone numbers. And, you know, again, I, I had a little bit of luck the last couple of years, you know, four of my guys made it up to the big leagues. And, you know, so you have to be very selective on who you contact these organizations about, you know, it's just like with anything else, you have to be very selective. You know, if I want to recommend you for a job in the computer world, you know, nothing about computers. I'm not going to recommend you for computers. You know what I'm saying? Right. So it's, it's all about your network. It's all about networking and connections and, you know, willingness to, to want to work and help these guys out. And, and fortunate enough, I know so many managers throughout the game and they're all really good guys. They all really want to help their players out. Um, you know, move guys along. And like I said, at the end of the day, if we're not trying to, you know, move guys up or we're trying to get to the big leagues ourselves, you know, cause you know, a lot of these guys have been to the, to the big leagues, they've had their, their, their day in the sun. And, you know, I, I just don't know, you know, that that's just me. That's, that's why I'm in the game. I, you know, I want to be the best. I want to, I want to be the guy. And, you know, if, if that's not your, your end game, then, you know, everybody else is different, but you know, that's pretty much how transactions work. And, you know, from my perspective, isn't there an age restriction now in the frontier league? Isn't it different than it was in years past? It's 27. You can, you cannot be over the age of 27 and you are allowed one player at the age of 27, who is your quote unquote veteran player. Okay. And the, and the max, and I believe the maximum salary you can pay someone is $1,600 a month. So, don't think you're going to come to the Frontier League and make a lot of money. That's that's not what this is about. So, uh, oh, speaking of which, uh, I, I'll throw out another little tip here. Um, for those of you guys with agents, guys with agents, I'm not saying get rid of your agent. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is if you get released from an organization or you've never been to independent ball or whatever it is, do not hold out for more money. Please do not because what happens is Let's say you want to go to the Atlantic League and make $3,000. Well, you might be able to get that in, you know, you know, November and December because not many players are signed, but we have a thing called the salary cap. So let's say you get released here in spring training or you don't have a job now, and I'm going to be honest with you, not many teams have $3,000 left. And let's say, well, we can only offer you $2,500. Don't let your agent or anyone say, well, no, 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 we, you know, no, 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 we want 2,500. We're going to hold out two weeks. Well, in that two week span, that club probably signed two or three other players. And now you can only get maybe 2,200 or 2,000. So, um, you know, you're not going to be rich in independent baseball, but, you know, if you're looking to go there and make some money, I would suggest uh, signing earlier, the better and not holding out and waiting. Cause you're only going to, um, you're only going to mess yourself up in the end. Yeah, and for over over a couple hundred dollars, I mean, I don't think that's really <laughs> really worth it. Um, you were in the Atlantic League last year, Long Island Ducks. 
That's that's a different league than every other independent league, correct? I mean, in terms of uh, absolutely, absolutely. Wh- why is that different? Well, in the Atlantic League, there is no structure on the roster in regards to. So, for instance, uh, the Frontier League, you have to have uh, a minimum of twelve rookie rookies. Uh, I'm sorry, a maximum of uh, twelve experienced players. So we have twenty-four man roster. So if you have fifteen rookies. Well, then you can only have uh, nine experienced players. So you want to stack your team with as many experienced players as possible. The max you get is 12. Okay. Um, Then you go to the Can-Am and the American Association. Um, The Can-Am, you have to have a minimum of five rookies. It's a 22-man roster. And you get a maximum of five veteran players, which are players with six or more years of service in, in, in professional baseball. Um, a year of service for a position player is 30 at bats. Uh, I'm sorry, 75 at bats, excuse me. And 30 innings pitched for a pitcher counts as a year of service. Um, and in the, in, in the American association, you get five rookies and five, I believe it's five veterans and two LS fives in the uh, American association. So in the Atlantic league, there's no rookies. No, there's no statuses. So, you know, based on whatever your team salary cap is, and that's the other thing in the Atlantic league, each team has their own salary cap. So you can fill your team with as many, you know, stars as you want. And, um, you know, long Island is no stranger to that last year. I think, we had 17 out of our 25 man roster were guys with major league time. Whoa. <laughs> wow. Yeah. I listen at one point, my bullpen had, uh, David Arjuma, who's got 80 career saves in the big leagues, who now just got a job with the, he retired, got a job with the Toronto blue Jays. Um, Hinsu Chow, who was with the Dodgers in 2016 in the big leagues. And, oh, we had Eric Gagne also, who uh, he won the Cy Young Award in, in, in the big league. So we, uh, we, we had a pretty competitive and pretty deep bullpen uh, at one point last year in Long Island. So um, you want to talk about, you know, an experience, you know, especially for a guy like me who I've never played in an organization. That was, that was something else. That was awesome. How many games do you guys play uh, in the Atlantic League? Atlantic League last year was 140. Uh, one of the ball clubs had folded, so now there is a Road Warrior team, and this year it's 126 games schedule. And then are 126. You, are you guys a little bit, you know, in terms of releasing players and things like that? How does how does that work? Because I've seen I've seen some guys get signed, and it seems like they're just filler players, and then they get released mm-hmm. after like a week or two later. Um, yep. what's, what's your philosophy on that? What's your kind of your take on, you know, signing releasing guys, all that sort of thing. Uh, on a personal note, I kind of hate it, but I've also seen a couple of sign and release guys that have, well, we're only going to keep you for a week. You know, uh, that's probably it. And then all of a sudden the kid's there for a week, somebody gets hurt. And now that kid's your starting second baseman. I, I've seen it before. Um, and, and the reason why I like it and I don't, I I more like it than I don't, but you know, it's, uh, you you can't, you you don't know what's going to happen in this game. You know, I mean, you can have your superstar pitcher who's eight and O with a 2.5 ERA 
all of a sudden he loses his next five games and he's got 45 walks and 40 innings, we might need to make a change here. So, you know, you never know what's going to happen, you know, and, and a lot of it has to do with where guys live, you know, um, you know, for instance, in Long Island, we had some guys on our club last year. Um, they were there all year that they, they live in Long Island, you know? So, um, you know, you have to understand that this is also a business as much as, you know, we want to win and succeed and everything. But, uh, you know, for instance, if you live in California and you're a rookie and you don't have much experience, you're probably not going to play for the Long Island Ducks, you know? Um, it's just the way it is. Why, because, why does you know, where you yeah. live matter? Well, because in, in the Can-Am American Association and Atlantic League, uh, the ball clubs, they pay for your travel. So if you live in California – I'm only signing you. When I was in Ottawa, we were only signing guys from the West Coast that were guys that were going to make a severe impact on our club that were going to be in our lineup every day or in our starting rotation or coming out of our bullpen. We don't want to waste our money and your time if you're not going to make the club, you know? Um, so, you know, what I do in return is, all right, let's say we got a kid from California. As a matter of fact, I told you earlier, I called one of the guys in the Pacific Association. I said, hey, give this kid a call. Give him a look, you know, because I know that the kid, you know, again, in this particular situation with what I have, you know, at the position he played, you know, he, he, he's not going to make my club. I'm not going to waste that kid's time because in the Frontier League, uh, you have to pay your own way out there. However, we do cover housing, which is awesome. So if I had the choice, would I, ha- would I rather pay for housing or would I rather, you know, pay for my way out there. I'd rather pay for my way out to a club and have free housing, you know, cause in, in the leagues, you know, the, the, the teams that don't cover housing, you know, you got to pay three, $400 out of your, out of your own paycheck to cover your housing, you know, in the frontier league, it's free housing, which is fantastic. This is a little bit, a little bit different here. Um, affiliated baseball, I feel like if you throw hard, you get, you got a chance to to stay in affiliated baseball for a while. They'll work with you. Independent baseball, correct me if I'm wrong, but as a manager, you really don't care about that. You just want guys to get outs, for instance, because I yeah. know driveline's huge these days, and I know um, you know everyone's about velocity, this and that. But at the end of the day, independent baseball is about winning, so you don't really care per, yeah. per much, right? Is that right? Yeah. That's pretty much true. I mean, listen, we, we can't have a guy coming out there. Well, I throw strikes, but I throw 73. I mean, you got to have a little bit of velocity behind you, but you know, if, if I had my choice, if it was up to me, um, I'll take a guy that throws, you know, 87, 88, 89, but can locate his fastball has a pretty good off speed pitch and can throw that for strikes or have that secondary pitch appear as a strike. And you get a lot of swing and misses or, you know, you get out that way. Um, I've seen it time and time again where we've had guys come in, Oh, an agent calls, he throws a hundred miles an hour, he throws 95. And then you look at the career numbers and well, he's got, you know, 45 career innings and he's got 40 walks. Um, I'm not signing that guy. That's just me on a personal note. Um, I want guys that are going to come in and throw strikes, you know, uh, it's much more important, you know, for us, you know, to, like you said, we got to win games. You know, we got to put butts in the seats and we got to win games. That's, that's ultimately our job, you know, and, and along the way, you know, I'm, I'm trying like heck. And I know a lot of the managers are, 
you know, trying to get these guys to organizations, you know, cause again, at the end of the day, that's what this is about. This is about the players. This isn't about us anymore. It's not about the managers and coaches. We've, you know, we've had our time in the sun, whether, you know, you played in the big leagues and triple a, or, you know, if you're a nobody like me, who's, you know, just played, you know, in Italy and, and some independent ball. So, um, yeah, I'll give, give me, give me 88 at the knees, you know, pumping strikes all day over, you know, 96 and, you know, who knows what's going to happen. I'll take that all day. Billy, appreciate your time today. I got one last question for you. We've talked a little Go bit ahead. about this. So you have a son, okay? He's playing. He just graduated from college as a senior. Um, what steps should, should he take next? He wants to keep playing. Where? What would you tell him well, to go do? Well, it would depend on a few things. It would depend on, obviously, you know, where he went to school, you know, how well he performed. Let's just say he's a good player. He, had, he played at a pretty good Division I school, put up good numbers. He didn't get uh, a chance. Uh, he didn't get an opportunity to get drafted. You know, I would suggest, you know, if you really want to play, um, you know, you need to put yourself out there. You need to go to all the tryouts. There are all these tryouts for every league. Just go online. You'll, you'll see Can-Am, Atlantic League. There's tryouts all over the place, all over the country. Um, I would also suggest, if you want, do what I did. Go, go overseas. I went over to Italy. I, I played three years out there. I got worldly educated. I loved it. I've met so many wonderful people. Um, you know, I would suggest play as long as you can. You know, you're going to get no's all the time. You're going to get released. You're going to get cut. Um, you know, but at the end of the day, you're going to finally have one final no, and that's going to be by the man in the mirror. You're going to finally have to tell yourself, I can't do it anymore, you know, and, and then the older you get, other factors happen. You, you, you get a wife, you get a kid, you know, financially, you're not stable. There's all these factors that come into it, but I suggest play the game as long as you can. Enjoy it. Respect the game. Respect your teammates. Respect your opponents. Be nice to everybody. Be courteous because you never know. You can have a teammate this year who in five years, you guys are still buddies. You both fizzle out of baseball, but I don't know, maybe he started a medical sales company and he can turn around and give you a job, make 100000 a year, base salary, and you know, it, that's just the way this game works. It's all about the people you meet, Patrick. That's what this game, it's all about the people you meet. Billy, appreciate your time today. I wish you good luck this year in normal. Uh, I'm going to try and come down to a game because I live pretty close to Florence. I'm in Cincinnati. I'm actually coaching um, Lima Locos in the Great Lakes League. So June and July, I'll be living in Lima coaching the Great Lakes League. But I'm hoping in August, you guys will be maybe in Florence. I'm not sure. Or in May. I'll have to check the schedule. But I I definitely want to come check you guys out this year. Oh, absolutely. It'd be good to see you again. We'll definitely check out a game. And uh, I'd love to do another podcast some other time. That'd be fantastic. Awesome. Thanks a lot, Billy. You got that, my man. You take care of yourself and stay in touch.